You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. The first degree. First degree. First degree. First degree. First degree. First degree. The first degree. You see it on the news. You see it on the paper. You see it on Facebook. These things are supposed to happen in movies, not in real life. I remember sitting there, and I believe it was on Facebook. Someone had shared this news link about this double murder in Wolcott. And I was like, what? Because Wolcott is one of those places where nothing bad ever happens. I was just shocked. I was like, no way, this is crazy. So, you know, I opened it and I read through and I saw the names of the victims and I was like, oh my goodness, I went to high school with them. Like, this is crazy. Welcome to The First Degree, the true crime podcast that you might end up on. My name is Jack Vanek. I'm sitting here with Alexis Linkletter and Billy Jensen. How are we feeling on this fine Wednesday, my friends? Mm, we're feeling okay. All right. <laughs> okay, All right. Billy, with your weird, like, are you response. Okay? What was that? <clears throat> Do you need to clear your throat? He had like a little frog in his throat. but little frog it in my throat? Out- <laughs> little squeak. A little squeak. Squeaky Jensen. Yeah. Um, Before we get into our episode, I wanted to let you all know that our Patreon episode for this week is we are judging Rodney Alcala on the dating game show, which basically means for our judging judge me episodes we're going back and like analyzing this video content that we have that you you know murderers or serial killers have been in and judging the shit out of them and there's so much to be judged for this motherfucker yeah 100 percent. and uh this is our favorite segment on our patreon these these judge me episodes they're really involved and well produced and uh we love it Yes. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of, you know, fashion we talk about and just the, the inappropriateness of everything and then the aesthetic. And then this guy actually wins and, uh, we, we won't give it away if anybody hasn't seen it yet, but you really have to listen to it. Right. You know, those serial killers can be quite charming. Uh, Mm -hmm. what day is it today, Billy? All right. So today is June 8th. And I'm sorry, Alexis, I have to do this again. It's almost like I torture you with this. It's jelly-filled donut day. Oh, my God. The worst kind of donut. <laughs> no Would one you likes like a, a jelly donut? donut. I don't really like sweets so that much. I'll mm. have like a little a sliver of it. I'll cut like when they bring them to an office or something, I'll have like a sliver of one. Not a huge fan. I'd rather have chicken wings or nachos. Yeah. Mm, yes. You know? And I don't like a jelly. I don't really like donuts at all to begin with. So too, not, not a day for sweet. me either. They're too sweet. They're just not my choice. I love a sweet, but just not a donut. Do we have any other like days that we might like, Billy? Yes. This one's for you guys. It's Best Friends Day. Oh, Jack is my best friend. Bestie day. Everybody text your bestie. Let them know you love them. Life's short. It's a good day to do it. Every day is a good day to do it. Absolutely. That is true. All right. Well, that's enough of that. We have a nice short and sweet intro. Uh, So let's turn on the lights. And turn up your anxiety. Because this could be you.
So there's various tropes we're all familiar with when it comes to true crime. You're more likely to be victimized by someone you know, and in many cases, someone you live with. You know the one. It was the husband. Or in the case of children, it's usually a parent or caregiver. Then there's statistics which we know support other facts. Men are more likely to be victims of violence at the hands of other men, but women are almost 100% of the time likely to be assaulted or killed by men. We all know people we maybe went to high school or college with who perhaps seemed a bit off and made choices we wouldn't expect, especially if we were their friends. They simply wouldn't cross your mind when you think about the archetypal violent offender. But how do you react when one of the people you thought was least likely, to use school yearbook terms, appears to be involved in the unthinkable? This is what we're exploring in today's episode. And we begin today's case on October 29th of 2020. And this is around seven months into the global pandemic and the worldwide health crisis had truly taken hold of our entire lives. And at this point, we'd hope we'd see the most of it. We all know that that was not true. On the music charts, Savage Love by Josh685 and Jason Derulo and Watermelon Sugar by Harry Styles were peaking in the top spots. And movie theaters at the time were gradually reopening as people tentatively started venturing out again to see films like A Rainy Day in New York, The War with Grandpa, and The Addams Family. And the setting for today's case is Walcott, Indiana. Located in the west of the state, the tiny settlement of around 1,000 people is about... 23 miles north of Lafayette, 65 miles northwest of Indianapolis. Walcott is home to Indiana Ribbon, which is one of the few decorative ribbon manufacturing plants left in the entire country. And it's also the starting point for the journey of Bobby the Wonder Dog, who in 1923 traversed 2,500 miles across the country back to Oregon, finding his way back home after he went missing while his owners were on a trip to Walcott. Honestly, that must be the basis for Homeward Bound, that movie. Yeah. <laughs> because I didn't know that was a real thing. Did you? No. no. Right. Either way, after that aside, our first degree for today's case is named April. April moved to Walcott during middle school and came to know most of the kids who went through the Tri-County school system. Walcott is relatively quiet in a safe area. Everybody knows everyone. You know the drill. You know that small town feel. And of course, as with most small towns in the U.S., crime isn't unusual, but it's more commonly of the petty variety. Wolcott is one of those towns that when you drive through, if you blink, you miss it. You know, straight road through town. There's no stoplight. There is, you know, a train track. We have a couple of restaurants. We have a gas station, but that's about it. And so it's a really, really small town. And it's one of those places where, you know, everyone knows everyone. Everyone knows, you know, all of your business. And that's just kind of the environment that it is. It's one of those, you know, small towns, good old boys, that kind of place. In school, all the kids knew each other. They had their groups that they preferred to hang out with, like little cliques, but it was more common for students to associate with kids from other groups than, say, in like a bigger high school where you had your definite like different cliques going on. My graduating class was less than 50 people, so you knew everyone. It was one of those places where you knew everyone, you were friendly with everyone, you know, you would smile and say hi in passing in the hallway. And during school, April was on the cheer team. The school was so small that everyone on the cheer team got to know each other pretty well. And April made friends with lots of the girls on the team, one of whom was Brianne Cobb, who was a freshman when April was a junior. 
I think our personalities just meshed. We had mutual friends and all of that, I believe. So it just kind of, you know, it made sense for us to hang out. And she was fun and she was outgoing and I, I suppose probably easy to talk to. April and Brianne started spending lots of time together. If they didn't have cheerleading practice, they'd be cheering at basketball and football games. And they'd hang out afterwards. They sat together on the bus, and April even picked Brianne up on the way to school when she started driving. It was then that April started to notice some small little things about Brianne. And she wasn't sure whether these were red flags per se, or just maybe signs of immaturity. Nevertheless, it gave her some pause. She's very pretty. She always, you know, did her makeup, her hair. She always was dressed super nicely and everything. She was very bubbly and outgoing, but I think that was kind of a front that she put on. I don't necessarily think that that's actually how she is all the time. And she's one of those people that when she's talking to you, you can't really tell if she's lying or if she's telling the truth. So you kind of take everything that she says with a grain of salt. What she said was just like so outrageous. And she would just say some very like off the wall things that you're like, oh yeah, she's not telling the truth. It was just some things were so outlandish that you're kind of like, okay, like I'll just pretend that I think you're telling me the truth, but I know you're not right now. April and Brienne remained constant friends. They cheered together, they texted, they shared gossip, they did all of these things that high school friends did. And they remained friends until April graduated in 2016 and moved away. She was ahead of Brienne in school, so like many high school friendships, they lost touch. Not because they had a falling out or anything like that, they just drifted apart as April's life took a new direction outside of Walcott. She said she didn't want to stay and get trapped by this small town life. She graduated a couple of years after me. I left Wolcott and I went to college and all of those things. And she was still there. And Wolcott is one of those places that it kind of sucks you in. And if you don't get out, you're kind of stuck there the rest of your life. April and Brienne exchanged a few texts here or there after April left town, but lots of April's connections and communications with her former high school friends, they just eventually tapered off. So I would say going into my senior year, we were still friends. The last time I saw her, it probably would have been the end of school, graduation, or some sort of open house. That probably would have been the last time I saw her. And we were probably still friendly. We were friends on Facebook. You know, there might have been a time here or there when I reached out to her and, you know, asked how she's doing or, you know, sent a picture of us and been like, miss you. Like, how are you doing? Trailing shortly behind April, Brianne graduated high school in 2018. And by this time, April was far away living her own life. She left all, you know, wonders and interests in her high school life behind. She didn't give them any thoughts because, I don't know, I understand that some people want to get away from their high school and never look back. And April was one of them. But through the grapevine, it was unavoidable. She would still hear sporadic details about people in high school, including Brianne. I think the first couple years of high school, she was, you know, good and on a good path. And then one year, she I she stopped doing cheerleading, I believe. And I think that's kind of where things fell off. I believe she started to get into drugs like marijuana and things like that. But then I think she started to get into those hardcore type of drugs. And like we said, April had moved on. She would hear these things about Brienne, but she wasn't going to insert herself into the whole situation. 
But as we all know, Facebook is kind of this voyeuristic view into people's lives without really having to be engaged. Then in October of 2020, April was scrolling Facebook when she read some horribly shocking news coming out of her hometown of Walcott. Someone had shared this news link about this double murder in Wolcott. And I was like, what? Because Wolcott is one of those places where nothing bad ever happens. You never think it's going to happen to you. The most people get is like a speeding ticket. And that's very rare. I was just shocked. I was like, no way, this is crazy. So, you know, I opened it and I read through and I saw the names of the victims. And I was like, oh my goodness, I went to high school with them. Like, this is crazy. Here's what we're going to tell you at this point. Of the three names mentioned in this article, one of them was April's former friend, Brianne Cobb. April was stunned, floored, horrified, and crushed. And beyond that, April knew two other people involved in this event. So this is a big deal. How did this happen? Why did this happen? And more importantly, what happened? To answer these questions, you know the drill. We got to go back. Brianne Jocelyn Cobb was born on January 10th, 2000. She grew up in a loving family. We don't know a ton about her childhood, but at some stage it appears her parents split and her mom remarried, which is the case for approximately 50% of kids in the U.S., so not that shocking there. After high school graduation, Brianne enrolled in cosmetology school in Lafayette in March of 2017 and was there for a year. Within that time, April heard some things through the grapevine about Brianne. One such thing was that in February of 2019, she and her then-boyfriend, who we're going to call Kevin, had a baby boy who we're going to call Ryan. I probably had the thought of, you know, is she ready for a baby? Is she going to be able to take care of this baby? You know, just kind of knowing how she is, kind of just like the childish, you know, personality, the fun, outgoing. I just, I don't know if I necessarily thought she was ready for it at the time. I saw pictures and everything, and she looked happy. Then April saw a video on Brianne's Facebook page. I believe there was like some sort of video of her on there, like having sex with someone. And I believe that was on Facebook. And so I kind of just after that point, I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, this is totally like crazy. So for the record, if anyone listening chooses to put sexual videos on the Internet, This isn't a kink shame or anything like that. But as far as April is concerned, this was very outside the scope of Brianne's normal behavior. So what she's pointing out here and observing is just a shift in her friend. And that's what she's seeing. So I saw it and I was like, wait a minute, what did I just watch? And so I I think I watched it again because I was like, there's no way that this is actually what what I'm thinking it is. And, you know, after realizing that, yeah, that is what I thought it was, you know, it's just, to me, it's just so crazy how like our paths are, have gone so different because, you know, with the family that she has and, you know, all the love and support she has from her family and stuff, you would think that her life would have went in a totally different path and it didn't. And so, you know, you just, You feel sad, you know, could I have done more to be a supportive friend and make sure she wasn't doing those things? Could I have encouraged her to, you know, go to college or do something and get out of Wolcott? April saw the video, but again, didn't want to engage. She was in the throes of her own life and she wasn't going to reach out, especially about something negative. She wasn't going to insert herself in 
and try to control Brienne's behavior. Brienne, after all, was an adult now. And she had the autonomy that came along with that. When I saw it, I was just like, nope, I'm just going to, you know, pretend I didn't see that and just move on with my life. When I was growing up, I took French in high school, but I could never get the language to stick. I wanted to be fluent so bad, but it never happened. I just couldn't focus and I couldn't practice enough and it didn't work. But thankfully, there's Rosetta Stone, which is the most trusted language learning program, and it's available on desktop or it can be used as an app on your phone or tablet. Rosetta Stone is different. It immerses you in so many ways. And with its intuitive process, you can pick up any language naturally, first with words, then phrases, and then sentences. And before you know it, boom, conversations. Plus, with Rosetta Stone's true accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the first degree listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash first. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash first today. Okay, so it comes as no surprise that I have absolutely no idea how to cook. I don't want to learn how to cook. It's not really my thing. But when I tried Factor meals, it was a freaking game changer. So Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. Yeah, two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. So the first time I tried Factor meals, I was actually blown away because I'm like, that's it. That That's all it is. Two minutes and the meals are so delicious. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every single week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. And you can treat yourself to restaurant quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, ooh, fancy, shrimp, and blackened salmon. Like I said, they're so easy to prepare. I love them. So head to factormeals.com slash degree 50 and use code degree 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code degree50 at factorymeals.com slash degree50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. It's almost summer and the best and most sustainable way to shop for a new season is on therealreal.com. The Real Real is the largest and most trusted source for authenticated luxury resale. It's the only place you'll find brands like Hermes, Cartier, Prada, Dior, Staud, Zimmerman, Jacquemus, and more for up to 90% off retail. 10,000 plus new arrivals land every single day from hundreds of brands you love, all authenticated by a team of in-house experts. Whether it's that perfect wedding guest look, a new summer sandal, an updated beach tote, resort wear for your summer vacation, you're bound to find exactly what you're looking for, plus deals you won't get anywhere else on therealreal.com. Visit therealreal.com and use code FIRST at checkout for 20% off. Terms apply. Our first degree April left her hometown of Walcott and all of her former high school friends behind, including her friend Brienne. April saw some unusual updates and happenings about Brienne online, but didn't feel compelled to reach out. And at the time all this was going down, Brienne was living in Monon, Indiana, and was working at a packaging company. 
and she was a mom. So April had no idea about this, but around the time April had seen the video on Facebook, Brianne and Kevin had broken up. Brianne didn't wait long before she started dating again, and she started dating a guy named Marlon C.A. And I'll bet you're wondering how this relationship relates to this whole story that we're telling you, but trust me, it does. Okay, so now we're going to pivot back to October 29th, 2020. And that's the day April found out that Brianne was involved in a double murder. She was left speechless after reading the news on Facebook. I think my biggest thing was like, how in the world has she gotten herself involved in something like this where she's involved in a murder, a double murder? I just had no idea how she could have gotten involved in something like this. All right. So if there was any confusion about Brianne's involvement, now you know. She was arrested as one of the perpetrators, which shocked the hell out of April who looked at the mugshot of her former friend and could not believe it was the same girl. At the same time Brianne's mugshot was circulating the internet, April read that Brianne had been arrested with two men, her boyfriend Marlon C.A. and a man named Dorian Hale Jr. 19-year-old Marlon was born on November 4th, 2000. Known by his nickname Muka, he was from Lafayette, Indiana, located around 25 miles from Walcott. That's all we really know about him at this stage, aside from the fact that he was Brianne's boyfriend at the time of the killings. And 20-year-old Dorian Hale Jr. was born on January 11, 2000, the day after Brianne, and he's also from Lafayette. His nickname was Boogie. But like Marlon, there's little to no information available about him at this stage. April didn't know either of the male suspects. They didn't go to the same high school as her and Brianne. Right. And this whole situation became even more earth shattering for April when she realized that two of the victims in this case, she also knew from high school. 24-year-old Daniel Benyon, known as Danny, and his younger brother, 20-year-old Matthew, known as Chuck. So these two brothers had gone to school with April and Brianne. So this is mind-blowing for her. Daniel. He was, I believe, two years older than me, and he wasn't like a like a super popular kid um, or anything like that. You know, I did kind of hang out with him, was kind of friendly with him. I mean, anything that I knew of him, I he was nice and, you know, just one of those kind of weird kids in high school. But, I mean, he was very nice and everything. And then the younger brother, Matthew, and then they they called him Chuck. I didn't really know him very well. It was like, see see him in passing, and you'd, you'd know who he was. But um, other than that, I didn't really know him very well. April was pretty sure Brianne knew the Benyon brothers from high school, too. The school was so small, she had to have known them somehow. April theorized that Brienne may have stayed in touch with the brothers after high school as a way to buy drugs. I'm sure they knew each other in high school, but I think it is kind of one of those things where, you know, there's only so many people you can get your drugs from. But she might have been more closer friends with Matthew because I think he was closer to her age. They might have even been in the same grade together. April wasn't BFFs with the Banyan brothers, but she had hung out with them on several occasions. Her high school boyfriend was friends with Danny, so she'd gone to some parties at the Benyon house where the two brothers lived with their mother. Right. And the news of this double murder shocked this tiny community. Shockwaves went through it. And that included 
Danny and Matt's friends and former classmates. There were, you know, some people that I went to high school with that were closer friends with Danny. And, you know, they were posting like, can't believe that this happened to you, like miss you so much. So here's what we know about Danny and Matthew. Danny, born on December 5th of 95, and Matthew, born on January 24th of the year 2000, the Benyon brothers grew up in Walcott, Indiana with their parents, Daniel Sr. and Leslie, and their sister, Kathleen. At some stage, it appears Daniel and Leslie split, and Daniel remarried. At Tri-County High School in Walcott, Danny played the drums in the school band. He was also voted prom king. Danny graduated in 2015, a year before April, and three years before Brianne. He got a job at nearby Purdue University, where he worked as a security officer. And Matthew, or Chuck, as people called him, and it's unclear why his nickname was Chuck, he was a talented track and field athlete at Tri-County High School. And he graduated in 2018, the same year as Brianne. He worked as a laborer at Advanced Auto Distribution Center of Remington and made extra money on the side as a delivery guy for Grubhub. His obituary read, Chuck never knew a stranger and enjoyed spending time with his many friends. He was always a joy to be around. And the brothers were really close. They were sociable guys who loved going to amusement parks where they enjoyed the thrill of hair-raising rides, and they also simply just liked hanging out with their many friends. But most of all, they lived for the holidays. Along with their mom, Leslie, they looked forward to going out and putting a huge effort into decorating their two-story house, situated on the southwest corner of West School and North Range Streets in downtown Walcott. And this was the same house that April had been to many parties at. April found Danny to be a perfectly nice guy from her interactions with him. He was nice. He was very personable. From what I remember, he always was like telling funny jokes and kind of trying to be the jokester. So this is only based on gossip and completely alleged. But apparently, and according to rumor, Danny had been dealing weed since high school. And the rumor was that he seemed to be the go-to guy in town for those wanting to purchase marijuana. And listen, weed, this is not a shaming thing. It's becoming legalized in many states. We're not, you know, looking down on him for this. This was super common. As far as I know, it was marijuana. And I don't know if it was anything harder. It might have been but I don't know for sure. Crucially, Brienne is the only connection between her co-accused and Danny and Matthew because Marlon and Dorian both went to a different school. So I know we've offered up some information and we've explained some connections here, but there are so many more questions that remain. Yeah, like what the hell happened to the Benyon brothers? Why and how were they murdered? Well, before we get into that, we want to briefly remind everyone that this case hasn't gone to trial yet. So as always, you should presume that all parties are innocent until proven guilty. Right. But for now, here's what the police think happened based on the evidence. So in the days before the murders, there were plans that were made amongst uh, Brienne and her two gentlemen friends to rob the Benyon brothers. And the two brothers were living blissfully unaware of these plans. So on the day of the murders, which was October 24th, Brienne, Marlon, and Dorian met up after Brienne finished work. Then the three of them drove together to the Benyon house. Brienne went inside the house under the guise of buying marijuana. So at some point soon after, either Marlon or Dorian or both enter the property with at least one firearm, maybe two. And that's when Danny and Matthew were ultimately shot to death after some confrontation. It seems so senseless 
and ridiculous when you think about what the stakes were here. So allegedly, in Brienne's haste to get out of there, because remember, she was inside too, she left behind her phone and a can of pepper spray that she carried with her. The two guns involved were also left behind. Pretty, amateur, very sloppy, really senseless, completely tragic. And April isn't sure if the initial plan was to kill the brothers at all or just rob them. But she does have a theory. Just speculating, you know, they had this plan to rob them. Maybe they went in there only expecting one of the brothers to be there and they both ended up being there. And, you know, whoever had the gun was thinking, oh, man, I can't, you know, I can't rob them and fight them both off. I'm just going to have to shoot them. Unbelievably, Brienne is thought to have left her toddler son, Ryan, in the car while she went inside the house. Danny and Matthew's mom, Leslie, who lived in the downstairs part of the house, arrived home just before 9 p.m. on October 21st, but she didn't go upstairs. However, this conflicts with some reports which say Leslie was actually at home at the time of the shootings. Until more information comes out, it's difficult to know the precise details at this stage. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Our first degree April found out that two guys she went to high school with, Danny and Matthew Benyon, had been murdered in their own home. And the alleged killers were shockingly her former friend from high school, a cheerleading friend, 20-year-old Brianne Cobb, and then two Lafayette men, Brianne's 19-year-old boyfriend, Marlon, and his friend, 20-year-old Dorian. At around 2.20 p.m. on October 22nd, the day after the murders, Danny and Matthew's bodies were found inside the house by a man visiting the property. Now, we don't know who this person is in relation to the brothers or why he was there. We do know that he was soon ruled out by police as having any involvement in the crime. Leslie apparently had no clue there'd been a shooting or that her sons lay dead upstairs until the police appeared on her doorstep. April was shocked to hear that Danny and Matthew had been killed. When I heard about it, I I think my emotion was more shocked than anything, just because it's one of those things where you're like, oh, this, this isn't going to happen to me. This isn't going to happen to people that I know. And it did. It happened to, you know, two brothers that went to the same high school I went to and one that I had you know, hung out with. And so it was just shock in my mind. I just couldn't believe it. Indiana State Police, White County Sheriff's Office, and Walcott Police showed up at the scene to investigate and piece together what the heck had happened. Inside the house, they found a pink canister of pepper spray, two firearms, bullets and shell casings, and a cell phone. It was Brianne's. I believe it was either in like her notes on the phone or in text messages that they had planned, planned it out to rob them. And then there was pictures of one of the guys holding a gun. And I believe the gun matched the gun from the murder. 
April's right. On the phone, police say they found some pretty damning photos and notes. They say there were pictures of Marlin holding a firearm, which was one of the guns found at the scene. In the notes app on the cell phone, police say there was a text dated October 20th describing a plan to hit the lick and saying, if I was scared to rob him, I wouldn't have spent $15 on fucking pepper spray. It went on to say, I said if he wasn't there, we should run in, either you and Dorian or me and Dorian. And the plan was for somebody to sit in the car, the other two run in if he ain't there. If he is, duh, we all gonna have to go in. You just will first so it can be smoother. Yeah, I mean, the texts don't look great. So the question is, how did these arrests come about? So on October 23rd, the day after the brothers' bodies were found, a relative of Brienne's called the police. And the man said that Brienne may have information about the shots fired at the Benyon property because word had spread of these murders, but no one had been taken into custody yet. So the police interview Brienne, and she says that she finished work at around 4.30 p.m. on October 21st and was picked up by Marlon and Dorian. And investigators were able to corroborate this. Video footage from outside Brienne's workplace showed her standing at her car holding a small child who we're going to assume was Ryan. Marlon and Dorian were then seen entering the vehicle from the passenger side. Brienne was seen driving away from her work. The group then drove to the Benyon home to buy marijuana. Brienne said that once the group arrived at the house, she went inside, and while she was there, Dorian came inside and started shooting. Brienne confirmed that the cell phone police found belonged to her. She also confirmed she recognized the canister of pepper spray and one of the firearms recovered as evidence. When police interviewed Marlon, he claimed he and Dorian were in the car with Brienne outside the Benyon house when she went to buy marijuana. Marlon said Dorian entered the house after Brienne. Dorian told police that while he was outside the Benyon home, Marlon told him to turn up the car radio while he and Brienne went inside. Dorian stated he stayed in the car with Brienne's son, Ryan, but said he didn't hear any gunshots while Marlon and Brienne were in the house. Right. And this information was being released in drips and drabs. So the Walcott community was reeling at the fact that this former cheerleader and mother could have gotten caught up in this dark world to such a degree that she found herself implicated in a double homicide of people she had gone to high school with. Everyone wanted to know why Brienne could have agreed to such an audacious plan. But some people like April have come to terms with the fact that they'll never really know how things could have gotten to this point. But I will say, as somebody who relates directly to this, I mean, the first first degree, uh, it was maybe the first or second episode we've ever done, Mm -hmm. was a very similar situation. Like I had a, a close childhood friend go on to do something even more horrific than this, all yeah. because of drugs. This is something, especially with like with uh, the epidemics, you know, the drug epidemics that are that are happening across our country. I bet you more and more of these stories are becoming relatable mm-hmm. um, yeah. because drugs and homicide go hand in hand. Um, epidemics and homicide go hand in hand. Yeah. And there's so many more people now that are dying from opioid overdose. It, it, and it crosses all races, it crosses all, you know, socioeconomic status. Everybody knows somebody uh, that, that has gone down with it. Right. And drugs and crime, they they feed each other. The, you know, the, those rates are cyclical and they they are compounding. And it's it's so important to check in with people who are struggling with addiction. I think it's kind of gotten to the point where I'm numb to it. 
I probably will never get those answers from her, you know. But so I think, you know, at first it was shock and then, you know, kind of maybe maybe a little bit of disappointment. Like, well, how did you get yourself into this situation and why did you, you know, let your life turn out this way? And then now when I hear things, it's kind of just more... I think I have, you know, maybe detached myself from it. And so I think it's just like a a whole range of emotions. Police believe Brienne's role was to go into the house first, as she knew Matthew, and Marlon and Dorian would wait in the car, then go in after her to do the actual killing. I think she was the connection. She knew the brothers and she knew these two, two other perpetrators. And so she was the connection to buy the marijuana or buy the drugs or, you know, whatever. In the article, I believe it says that they went there to buy marijuana. If you think about what was on her phone, she had some sort of, you know, something to do with the planning. It says that she went into, she was there. And then once she started hearing the gunshots, she ran out. On October 28th, Brienne and Marlon and Dorian were officially charged with two counts of murder while committing a felony. The news was made public the next day. And I had gotten on Facebook and I saw that they, you know, had made the arrest for the three people that were involved or whatever. And so I clicked on it. And when I saw Brianne's face, I was, I was like, no way. I went to high school with this girl and I was friends with her. The last we've heard is that Brianne, Marlon and Dorian are all awaiting trial. And again, everyone's presumed innocent, but the evidence looks bad. A jury trial has been set for August 1st in White County Superior Court, and all three of the accused will be tried separately with separate juries in separate courtrooms. And if convicted, they each face between 45 and 65 years in prison over weed, over buying weed. We asked April how knowing her former friend is accused of murder has affected her. Kind of just reminds me of, you know, people aren't always who they say they are and, you know, kind of just be a little weary before you befriend someone and, you know, let them in your life completely make better choices on who you're friends with, I suppose. Like April said, people aren't always who they say they are. And in fact, when you're dealing with high school kids, people don't even know who they are or who they're pretending to be, you know? So I think it's important. April saw red flags in Brienne's behavior. That being said, sometimes it's impossible to discern between a true red flag and someone who's immature, who's impulsive. Either way, for inexplicable reasons, people we think we knew or think we know make choices, which make us question whether we ever knew them at all. And it's possible that Brienne might never have gotten involved in such a situation if she hadn't been using drugs, like we said, drugs and crime go hand in hand. But then again, maybe Brienne knew exactly what she was getting herself into. Maybe she didn't have a conscience. Maybe she was okay with all this, despite the risks, not only to herself, but what it could mean for her young son, for the victims, their families, and the butterfly effect that ultimately ensued.
Well, thank you so much to April for being our first degree for this episode. If you're listening out there and you have a story to tell, you can email us hello at the first degree podcast.com. Follow us all on Instagram. Join our Facebook group. We're talking true crime all the time. Make sure to subscribe to our Patreon. We have so much extra bonus content on there. And I believe that's where I end that. I think that's it. And remember, only you can prevent serial killers and keep your friends close. But not that close. (laughs) Happy Jelly Donut Day. There you go. Very unhappy Jelly Donut Day. Shout out to Jared Monaco for scoring original music for The First Degree. Producing by Caitlin Cleveland. Writing and research by Gemma Harris. Welcome, Gemma. Her first episode, everyone. Welcome, Gemma. Hey, Gemma. Sources for this episode include the Lafayette Journal and Courier, Wish TV, the Herald Journal, the Indiana Lawyer, the Associated Press, the Daily Herald, and the News and Review Online. And as always, our first three guest is always our largest source. <laughs>